0: Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome, listener. Are now plugged in to an Ethereum podcast. Your host,
1: Evan Van Ness.
0: This is Evan Van Ness with an Ethereum Podcast. I'm here with David Rugendyke from Rocket Pool, which is a staking pool, so like a mining pool, but for proof of stake when Casper is implemented in Ethereum. So Hey Evan,
1: thanks for having me, mate.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to talk. Uh, one of the things I'm excited about is that you are, as far as I know, you're the first person to do. Well, first of all, you're, you're having a token sale, which is going on right yeah. now, and it, it, you're the first to do a proportional refund cap, as I call it. Yeah, that's I'm, a good way to describe it. I'm excited because I've been trying to get people to do this for a while, and people always listen, and they sort of agree that it's a good idea, and then they don't do it. And I, yeah. I found that found that frustrating. So I guess first, you know, maybe explain what is a proportional refund cap, or whatever your preferred yeah. term is for it, and why you decided to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so a proportional refund cap is basically when you have a hard cap on the token sale and once that gets reached or surpassed, people can get a refund. So basically whatever, whatever goes over the hard cap that you set. So this essentially allows people to know basically what the token sale is going to, or how much ether it needs, any more than that, and then they get a refund plus their tokens. So let's say uh, the hard cap is a thousand ether, you donate Uh, You put in 100 ether of your own, you then have 10% of the total um, that's been donated, so you get 10% of the tokens and 10% of whatever goes over the hard cap. So uh, essentially, yeah, it's proportional refund and proportional distribution and it also means there's no rush. So if it goes for a month, anyone can participate any time and they will get tokens proportional to the amount of ether that they sent to the contract and a refund potentially. It was suggested as an idea. Um, I took it and plugged it into our, um, I've I've written our own distribution platform called uh, a sale agent platform. So it allows you to distribute uh, tokens in any way you want at any interval you want through um, your token contract. So I essentially took this idea, um, ported it into our system, tweaked a few things here and there and basically, yeah, there we go.
0: Awesome. We'll leave the rest of the of the tokens and yeah. stuff for the end. One thing that that stuck out to me when I was doing research for this interview is that, you know, you said you were a, you're, you know, you've been a software developer since you were a kid. And, you know, yeah. you were interested in Bitcoin, so you were around yeah. the scene, but that you basically ign- ignored Ethereum when it came out. So I was kind of yeah. curious, like, why, why is that? I mean, what... Um well i got
1: yeah i was into i got into it probably mid 2013 then i think it was around the end of 2013 start of 2014 the big Bitcoin bubble and after that it was pretty much a, a gold mine of um what well, was an an altcoin uh bonanza basically after that everything you could imagine was coming out at different intervals so i think you got a little bit of a coin fatigue at that time um i do remember seeing ethereum mentioned several times i do remember its crowd sale going on oh, i can't remember exactly what i was doing at the time but yeah you know hindsight 2020 here we are now and yeah let's let's hope uh, i can build on ethereum from here on out
0: so it sounds like you were just didn't really look at it that closely because they it, it no. lost between all of the i mean you're right yeah. that that time period was full of just you it know, clone was clone coins and and you know, just you know, yeah,
1: junk. Uh, ironically enough, too, um, back then one of the ones I did uh, actually mine because I had my own mining rig back then. Uh, was uh, Blackcoin, which is one of the uh, proof of state coin. Funnily enough, um, it was one of the earlier ones. I think it's based off uh, Peercoin. I think from memory, I can't remember exactly. But uh, yeah, it was a proof of state coin. Um, yeah and here we are now <laughs> what happened to it? I actually don't I remember that one it's still going, it's still on um, Polynex I think so I don't know if it's been actively developed or maintained anymore but you know it's still kicking along
0: it's interesting. I mean, I, I tend to think of like proof of stake as being something that hasn't really been implemented yet. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's it sort of I think has. The way,
1: but... Yeah, the way Ethereum's approaching it is quite different. You know, the concept's still the same. You put, you know, a stake and um, basically, I don't think Blackcoin had the ability to slash anyone's stake or anything like that. It doesn't have the game theory, which Casper's currently um, implementing, so... It was a much more simple version, and I think it was PeerCoin or one of those ones that was the original one that BlackCoin was forked off that had it, so it has, the concept has been around for a while and implemented, just not in the same way that our Ethereum's going about it. So you're from Brisbane, I, you
0: know, yeah. as, as an American, you know, I, you know, I'm from Texas, so people assume I uh, <laughs> wear a cowboy hat and ride a horse uh, to work. So yeah. I, I assume that you play rugby and, and surf as much as possible, uh, Yeah, although I, I suppose so the, that... the surfing is north of brisbane right
1: it is we don't have any great beaches uh we have a lot of water nearby but uh, no surfing beaches so you'd want to go an hour north or probably an hour south for surfing it's part of the reason i don't do it much anymore i used to do it a bit more in my young years but yeah not as much anymore you're not too far off the sport thing though i still do play uh, soccer i play that once twice a week it's actually uh futsal now which i've swapped to playing so that's like a five on five shorter faster version of soccer yeah, i played soccer since I was about five as well, so it's yeah, living up to the stereotype pretty well in that regard.
0: So, this is, you know, you're, you're raising, yeah. uh, this yep. is a real character test question, what <laughs> teams do you support?
1: Well, Australian teams or international?
0: Yeah, I don't really follow the A leagues. Yeah, I would would say more like European teams.
1: I used to be a big uh, Everton supporter way back in the day. I don't follow the uh, English Premier League as much anymore, but yeah, it was uh, Everton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. That used to be my my go to team, but yeah, it's I haven't followed it as closely um, the La Liga and all that stuff. I don't follow it as much anymore. I followed the German league for a little bit when I was I was spent a little bit of time in Europe, you know, probably ten years ago and followed that a little bit. But yeah, um, I mostly follow, uh, focus on the Australian league now, the A League. So um, we've got Brisbane Roar, that's our local team. They're having an absolute shocker year this year but they did have an amazing run there i think where they were unbeaten but uh, some phenomenal amount of games a couple of seasons almost in a row wow. um yeah so and that's yeah that was amazing but yeah those are those are the glory days are gone at the moment well so let's let's step into the actual boot of the interview now yeah. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> so so rocket pool is a staking pool so i guess yes. as, a, as a way of, of talking about about what that means I like to break it down into me as a user, like what it means for me. So, say I want to stake 10 ETH. You know, to me, it's a yep. it's a lot of money. Um, walk yep. me walk me through, assuming that you know that Rocket Pool is alive, how yep. that will work. Okay,
1: uh, it's pretty simple. Um, we're basically going to have a web interface where you'll be able to um, log on and basically send your 10 ETH to Rocket Pool. We will then pull you in with other users to uh, meet the minimum staking amount required for Casper, or even larger depending on you know some other parameters which come kind of floating around um yeah and so basically that's all you have to do you send it to us we pull you in with other users we send your deposit to casper we give casper some node details on what needs to do validating for your deposit yeah and then basically we handle the rest so you will basically select you know how long you want to stay for i think the minimum at the moment is looking to be about four months based on the game theory so uh, yeah, you could stake for four months, or you could stake up to a year with uh, Rocket Pool. So that's that's what we're aiming for at the moment. So it's very simple. You just send it to Rocket Pool, come back in four months, and yeah, hopefully you have some interest on your ether with us.
0: Why would I lock up for more than four months? Are there, there going to be bonuses for locking up for longer?
1: Um, well, not essentially. You, you earn more interest. So just like a fixed-term deposit, you know, sometimes you want to go for three months, six months, or a year. Same thing applies to Pool. Casper does have a minimum of four months, but we do have the option to take out a token which backs your deposit, called a deposit token. This can be traded back to RocketPool for Ether, or it can be sold on the open market first. You know, you'd probably sell it slightly less than one Ether, so that, you know, that person then takes that token and waits for Pool's liquidity to improve, and then they can trade it back to Pool for an Ether themselves so you know we give the people the opportunity to um essentially not be locked into the four months that's required for casper as a minimum
0: basically just by taking like a five percent haircut uh yeah. i can get out of the contract pretty quickly
1: yes yeah so the five percent doesn't go to us so i thought i should. Um, so say you have a hundred ether locked up, and suddenly uh, you need that hundred ether. When you withdraw that from Rockpool as the deposit token, you get ninety five tokens. So you actually lose five percent. That that five percent is then given to. Um, whoever trades your token in back to Pool. So, you know, essentially, essentially a motivation technique for um, these people to hold on to these tokens, you know, whoever they might sell them to. Yeah, so basically you end up with a little bit more than ever when you trade them back in. So, so if I chose four months,
0: then I would have yep. to, you would automatically send it back to my address in four months. So I would have to, again, like basically re-up. Is that...
1: Well, we- yeah, we get the opportunity for, it'll basically stay in a smart contract until you log in and withdraw it out. We don't want to send it to people automatically. And generally, it's from a security standpoint, it's bad practice. You want people to pull from your contract rather than you push from it. So people will basically log in, take the other vac- basically out of the contract and their interest. So um, we, we, you know, I was looking at the opportunity to introduce something where it can be sent to that user. That would be an option that they will have to flag themselves. So um, yeah, at this stage though, yeah, you'll have to come back to Rockpool, basically withdraw your EDA. You know, we can look at the opportunity to, to also have a notification system, all that, to let you know when your deposit's back as well.
0: Okay, so four months are up. I chose four months. And yep. my four months are up. So it will just keep staking essentially indefinitely. No, no.
1: It, it'll be taken out. If you choose a four-month staking period, that will be taken out of Casper, put into another smart contract called a mini pool, which is something where you're pulled in with other users. So, And this will basically sit in that smart contract until you come back and take it out. So it's not staying at Casper. It's staying with Rocket Pool until you come back and get it. Uh, okay, I got you. So yeah.
0: I, I choose four months when it when yeah. the 4 months is up it's not being staked but I have to come get it if I want yeah, it back, exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, otherwise we end up spending more time on resources where you know you, you didn't choose to stake for that long, so it makes sense just to just have it back with us.
0: So so okay, so that's the reason why I would choose 4 yeah. months or a year over 4 months is just for the if I know I'm going to lock it up for yeah. a year, yeah. and there's zero chance that I want it in 4 months um, Yeah. that then I would just lock it up so that I don't have to go back in 4 months to to like basically
1: it, it, exactly so and then you always have the opportunity you know if you do want to stay for a really long period like a year you do have the opportunity to you know use those deposit tokens in case an emergency arises. so you're not locked in 100% so for me to take it out i would basically just need a password right uh you just need basically your private keys so what if you send that ether from that account that wallet um you basically need to retain possession of that if you want to get it back out you do have the option. okay so it is set. it is i do have to send
0: a transaction saying yes, that yes, i want you it do. okay gotcha yep you have a working alpha and yeah it's you know casper is still under development so i guess yeah. i'm curious to hear you talk about the challenges that you faced doing that and yeah i mean yeah
1: how it is constantly evolving yeah um Basically, from our perspective or any kind of third-party perspective, we just need to focus on the inputs and outputs of Casper. So, uh, a lot of the work with Casper is currently the game theory behind the mechanics of, um, you know, how to ensure the system uh, is stable, how to stop people cheating the system, how to stop cartels of nodes forming and then, you know, cheating the system or censoring transactions. Uh, we don't need to worry about any of that. We basically need to know what details Casper needs and what, det- or what information and, you know, stuff it gives us. So... Essentially on that, I think the first version of, I actually wrote a dummy Casper contract based on the, the MOVE paper, and that was that was a while ago now. Yeah, there's a few things that have changed since then. So basically what that specified um, was basically what arguments you need to pass Casper, a bit of information. I think then back then it was like an EVM bytecode uh, identifier which needed to be sent to Casper, but now with the modern day Casper, um, the one that's going to, yeah, out hopefully next year it's a much simpler it's just a node address so um, but yeah we basically just need to know information like that what information it's going to receive and what information it's going to give us we don't need to worry about the internal workings or any of the game theory and stuff like that so i essentially wrote a dummy cost casper contract which does exactly that we can interact with it it can send us back either with interest or with penalties uh, we can simulate yeah both of those scenarios so yeah that's what's essentially allowed us to get to this point um what, how much that will differ from the actual live casper i keep a fairly close eye on that repository so i don't think it's going to differ too much but you, you never know there's there's a whole bunch of unknowns still at the moment so we're just kind of waiting for the testnet version um that we can try it out on
0: how else, I mean, has the simulator changed in, in any other ways, like the input and output simulator, but besides the bytecode to address?
1: Yeah, um, not or? a whole lot. It's it's still re- remarkably similar to the original mode paper, which is probably, you know, it'd be going on a year and a bit old now. Um, there's a few, obviously there's a whole bunch of other code involved, you in, um, know, managing the internal workings of Casper, but... Yeah, the basic inputs and outputs, I mean, you send Ether to it, it sends it back to you with the same, you know, with Ether or interest or penalties. So essentially that's what it boils down to for us. So um, and not a lot has changed in that regard. thankfully. Lee.
0: So I, going back to my, my previous question, I, I, I send Ether to the to the contract yeah. and, and it's it's on a, it's on a node. So you, like, you have to, you're actually going out and, and, and talking to data centers or, or whatever to get these nodes up and running. So you have to have some sort of way to constantly monitor the, yeah. like, the, the assign the nodes, is that?
1: So essentially what we're going to do, we're going to try and um, set up nodes, basically, for the Rockable Network, at least in the first version, across as many data centers as possible, because we want absolute redundancy, you know, if... All of Amazon goes offline. We don't want our whole network to go down. So we'll essentially spread those out um, to increase redundancy and, you know, essentially no decentralization. So put those on a bunch of um, cloud providers in different areas of the world, you know, on different providers. Then we actually have the smart contract itself, which load balances these servers. So regardless of where they're hosted, each node needs to report back into the main smart contract every 15 minutes to, to launch any mini pools that are waiting and to report on its current server load um, and do a few extra other things. So basically what that does, it allows the node to report into the smart contract. The smart contract will go alright, you've got a really high load. The next time it gets some users that it needs to onboard into Casper, it will sign those to the node with the least amount of work. So this essentially load balances the network. does no matter where the nodes are it's a it's a really good use of a smart contract that can intelligently um, manage a network at least the the load balancing of the network you know agnostically so you don't need to worry about where it's hosted to do this yeah and basically it will also uh if a node doesn't report back in for any set interval the smart contract will actually disable that node to prevent any new users being signed uh, assigned to it so if it's been DDoSed or you know that cloud provider has gone down we don't want to give that node more users to have them penalized for any potential reasons. So the smart contract will disable this node. It then has to be manually re-enabled by one of the rocket pool admins once it's back up and running. The smart contract can actually also um, attempt to, can tell one of the other nodes, smart nodes in the network to attempt a, uh, a re- remote reboot of that node. So if that fails, that's when the smart contract will disable the node itself. So there is a fair bit of uh, security uh, monitoring built into the actual smart contracts themselves, And then we've got the actual server monitoring tools um, which we can use from image Cloify on top of that so there's a few layers of protection there yeah so you, so
0: you hinted at my next question but I guess I'll go ahead yeah. and ask it anyway yeah, which is like the the server room catches fire at the yeah. you know at the the node yeah where, yeah. where, where my where my ether is staying on that node uh, wh- so so what happens now right like um. It, it dis- tells the, it, it checks in with the contract and it says like, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Oh, I'm not yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, basically, yeah, if it starts to detect that node is having trouble, it will not assign that node any more users. If that node disappears and doesn't report in for a set interval, I think we've set that to about half an hour at the moment, uh, which is the interval of two check-ins. Um, if that doesn't happen, then yeah, it will simply um, Attempt to tell one of the other smart nodes in the network um, via events that happen uh, On the Ethereum blockchain It'll basically log an event to tell one of the other smart nodes to attempt a, an automatic reboot of that node That smart node will figure out which cloud provider that's on it will then use that cloud providers API and a few other things to um, try to remote reboot that node. If that doesn't work, then the actual smart contract will disable that node to prevent it getting any more users and alert a human being to... um Basically, then get that uh, node's private key, import that private key into another new instance on another provider, then all those users can start, continue staking as usual and essentially count at uh, minimal downtime. So yeah, that's obviously, you know, one of the bigger concerns which everyone has with staking, especially with uh, staking pools. I mean, if you give someone your edit, you know, you want to be reliant that you, you know, you're you going to get that back with interest, not, not penalties. So I think reliability is going to be our biggest uh, selling point, <laughs> essentially. So yeah, we, we've got a few layers in there at the moment. Obviously, we're not on mainnet yet, so there'd be a few things that need to be ironed out. But it's just, that's essentially the approach that we're building: so a smart contract monitoring service, followed by basically cloud provider monitoring service, followed by humans that can actually interact and then import the, that node's private key into another node, uh, should it come to that.
0: Yeah, I mean that was, I guess, how much of that is, is automated? Like, does does an admin need to be you know, yeah. to
1: do some well, of that. an admin will get notified uh as soon as a node goes down and you know, before we even smart contracts um has had a chance to disable it. So Essentially, a smart contract will be the one that's checking after the note, but we will notify a human being, you know, immediately in case there's an issue. I mean, there's many server monitoring tools uh, for every provider which can do this currently. But yeah, we need a couple of layers to ensure that that happens. So the smart contracts and then the uh, server monitoring tools and the human will get notified at any point along the way that uh, something is you know, going wrong, because obviously, like I said, reliability is our main selling point, so uh, we want to make sure that's 100%, well, as close to it as we can.
0: Maybe I'm just slow, but the the human is the one that, that then, like, has to reassign it, or does the, is that all happen automatically?
1: Only only if it comes down to that. So basically, what we need to do is import that node, the one that's, you know, the service center is blown up. You know, no amount of, you know, attempting automatic reboots will get that node back online. Yeah, we basically uh, fire up a new instance um, because we don't know if that's, we can't automate the tools per cloud provider because if that entire cloud provider goes down, uh, there's no point having an automated tool that tries to launch another node instance on that cloud provider when it can't, when it's, you know, the whole network's down. So essentially, yeah, at that point, a human gets notified, um, we launch a new instance uh, of a node on another cloud provider that's healthy, import that node's private key, the one that's gone down, into this node. You know, it doesn't take long for it to get up and staking again, so yeah, we avoid minimal minimal downtime.
0: So you will actually, though, almost always need to have somebody who is, you know, uh, on yeah. call at least, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any, any kind of major server sender would definitely, um, you know, not just for Casper or, you know, having a previous mining pool. Any other kind of server that needs, you know, reliability to be 100% always has people on call. So we won't be any different in that regard.
0: One thing you said in there, which is 15-minute check-in. So I mean, the the node checks in with the with the contract every 15 minutes and, and yeah. decides whether everything's okay or not. How much of that is on-chain? How do you estimate the gas cost? That seems complicated. Yeah. Talk to me about Yay. that.
1: It does. Yeah, our cost modeling is obviously going to depend a lot on our Casper, you know, its potential interest rate that it you know, gives users, you know, the, the gas cost for talking with it as well. So, you know, we've got a few things that we need to model in. The fact that, that they check in every 15 minutes, that's it's a pretty minimal amount of, you know, ten, transaction that needs to happen in that regard. but. You know what it all, it does actually do a few other things too. So when it checks back in you know, and basically see if there's any mini pools, which is a small contract um, full of users, you know, that's waiting to stake with Casper. If one of those needs to be launched and attached to Casper, it will also do that. That's probably the most significant uh, transaction because it has to create a new contract. So, you know, you're looking at probably um, two million and gas there, and That's that's a that's a fair amount. Obviously, we can change, you know, the frequency that pools are launched, you know, this becomes uh, too big of an issue with the nodes, you know, they're launching many pools all the time, it's, it's you know, using up all their other... I don't think that'll actually happen, but we do have the flexibility to change the interval that they're launched at if that does happen. Nodes are definitely our biggest cost overhead. Obviously, you know, we're dealing with bandwidth monitoring, security. So obviously, gas costs on top of that. It's something we can model to some degree now. But like like I said, a lot of it's really going to come down to when Casper is on test. And then we can actually test this stuff 100%. A lot of it's just... Yeah, basically us model, modeling at this stage, but it won't be 100% accurate. You never know until casper's ready. Jeff Coleman and,
0: and Liam Horner are working on counterfactual, which is like uh state channels. Um Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, like like the entire, you know, like you can run your entire app. It sounds like like when they get that working, like this would be like perfect for Yeah,
1: yeah, agree, 100%. There's actually a yeah, that's probably one of the uh, projects that I have heard of recently that would help us. Um, there's definitely going to be other, other things that can help us too. Um, sharding as well is a big one. That'll, that'll help Casper in general. Um, essentially, the, the first version of Casper at this stage looks like it's only going to be limited to about 1,400 validator spots, so that's quite limited. We will essentially be able to show that Rocket Pool gets a place by you know, making sure our validators have a very, very big deposit and they'll be included. But in the future, um, I think with sharding, that obviously allows blockchains to um, verify in segments, and you know we can essentially that will, that will essentially allow Casper to have unlimited validator spots at that point. So that's one of the things that's definitely on my radar for uh, for the future. So yeah, hopefully soon. How do you worry about about code security with this? Guy? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, oh, it's it's funny enough. Um, Obviously, getting the they're getting the contracts, you know, audited by bounties, uh, that's definitely on the agenda. Uh, I think we'll probably wait till, you know, we're, we're in beta on uh, Testnet, running alongside the Testnet Casper for that to happen. There's obviously a lot of code changes in Flux at the moment, certain modelling that obviously needs to be done as well. But, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, that's it, going to be one of our probably our biggest costs in the future, is just going to be getting the contracts audited. Uh, it's not a simple system. Rocket pool, I think there's almost 10 contracts which talk to each other in a series of uh, ways. So, uh, yeah, making sure they're rock solid is obviously one of the biggest things. Uh, one of the, uh, the better selling points that I probably a lot of people don't realize is um, the smart contracts in Rocket Pool actually don't hold a lot of air much of the time. I mean, if you send your deposit to us, it goes into a mini pool, which is another smart contract. Uh, as soon as that mini pool is ready, um, your deposit is held with Casper, and we only get it then when it comes back. So our actually, our, the holding time is fairly minimal. So yeah, but obviously, we you know, we need the contracts audited to 110%. Um, bug bounties are another big one that's on the agenda, so that will probably happen um, before the code audits just to um, pick up any you know, irregularities. So. Yeah, ho- hopefully, um, yeah, when we're in beta running along uh, Casper and Testnet, we'll, and we're fairly happy with the code that we, we can lock that in, get it tested, and then, um, yeah, get it deployed. And obviously, we'll be doing a scaled rollout, so we're not going to, you know, try and pull another DAO where we just let everyone in, you know, the first day. It'll be a scaled measured rollout to ensure um, the security is correct. Right.
0: Yeah, so yeah. That, that leads into my next question, which is, you yeah. know, how, how fast do you think you can get this working? Um, yeah. Once, once you know, once the finality gadget is actually yeah. introduced.
1: Well, hopefully not too long. I mean, as long as the parameters don't change a whole lot. Probably my biggest concern is the gas cost for nodes talking to Casper and um, yeah, basically there's a few parameters around Casper. You know, yeah, um, you know how many nodes can stake and all all that kind of thing. So yeah, there's still a few unknowns, but at this stage, yeah, I'm hoping it's I'm hoping we'll get ready um, fairly fairly well, but you know, it it's the question that every or it's the answer every developer loves to give but no one else loves to hear is uh, it'll be ready when it's ready. So Yeah definitely.
0: Another question I had written down was, you know, it's it's one one rocket pool um, for one Ether staked. So I guess, you know,
1: tell me how you
0: came to picking that number and...
1: So is this the, the RPL token? We we actually have two tokens. We have the rocket uh, the deposit token, which I mentioned earlier, which backs the user deposit. That's only ever managed by the users. It's nothing to do with us. The RPL token is actually the, the protocol token for uh, Rocket Pool. So yeah, basically what it does, it um, it's a metric of a node's resources in our network, and it also acts as a uh, security token. So our smart contracts will obviously only talk to nodes which have a deposit of um, RPL in them. Um, and that deposit amount is meant to reflect that node's potential resources. So uh, we don't know in the future what we would like to do. This is something on, on the roadmap, probably for a while once Rocket has been running well, but I would like to allow uh, user-controlled nodes into the network, um, which we then can assign users. And that uh, user-controlled uh, node obviously, you know, uh, can charge whatever users we assign them um, their own fee. Uh, this will essentially create a much bigger decentralization, um, much more redundancy. Those user controlled nodes obviously need to stake as much Ether as users that, that we assign them to prevent malicious behavior. So obviously they stand to lose as much um, as whatever users we assign them. Those users in this case will also need RPL locked up in their nodes so that they can be identified as a rockpool node and you know basically if someone's staking with a, a laptop versus someone staking with a huge data center uh, obviously those two um, obviously there's a lot of difference between those two in regards to resources such as bandwidth cpu power and all that stuff so if the laptop user you know if they're fairly confident they could stake for say you know 500 ether worth of users they will look up 500 ether uh, 500 rpl in their node that way our smart contracts can talk to their node see what you know, potential resources that, that node has and then assign them, you know, an equal amount of ether from our users to stake with them. So whereas the data center person might be like, you know, they've got an absolute kick-ass system, so they, they won't want to, you know, lock up 50,000 RPL in their node, then now contracts will basically say, "All right, he's got a really good node. Uh, let's give him a lot of users to stake for because he obviously has resources to support that." So yeah, that's essentially it's essentially a metric of a whole uh, of the node's resources in a way.
0: Okay, so the the token you just you just, just said it now. Uh, the the yeah. token is essentially for. You get to use it to 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 stake your to stake your ETH. So yeah. one one RBL equals one ETH for staking. Yep. It also will in the future be for security or for for if you want yeah so to identifying to, a node, yeah, yeah. Essentially, bond that you want to be a a, a node on the network. But yeah. There's a there's a third use as well, right? Which is sort of the risk sharing element, right? Do, 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 you, do you want to yeah. talk about that?
1: So um yeah, one of the other um. It's basically another requirement to uh, prevent malicious behaviour or at least lax uptime, so if a node does go down, we actually find that user's node in RPL. So let's say that node has a, a thousand RPL and it goes down for and incurs a 5% penalty on its interest earn. In, we will then take 5% of that node's RPL and assign it to the users. Um, it's obviously not a one-to-one compensation because you know, one RPL won't, won't be worth one ever, but that will scale successful uh, success for the Rockpool network gets. Uh, it's also another way for our smart contracts to then uh, realize that that node's resources aren't up to scratch so obviously if they incurred a, a downtime we know our smart contracts can then say all right you know we'll take five percent of your rpl therefore you get five percent less users and five percent less income on your node so um yeah it, it's a it's another you know motivation for that uh, node operator to make sure that they're playing by the rules and they have hundred percent uptime or they are uh, Lose some meta and they also lose some RPL and future users from us.
0: Let's see. We we actually didn't, we didn't talk about you much. I, I, I should. To, 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 you know, we talked about soccer, but I think we talked about soccer. Yeah. <laughs>
1: most
0: of the time. Well, I guess, tell me tell me a little bit more about you, you
1: were born in Brisbane yeah. as well, right? I was born actually down near Byron Bay, so um, that's probably one of the more iconic uh, locations on um, the East Coast in Australia. Um, almost every backpacker that comes through Australia ends up in Byron Bay at some point. Yeah, beautiful beaches. I was there uh, probably till, um, I'm 38 now, I was there till I was about 26 I think. Yeah, and basically, you know, as far as uh, developer choices and uh, career progression went at the time, Uh, you have to make your way to capital city. So I did that when I was about 26, 27. Yeah, I've been a senior developer, yeah, probably going on 12, 13 years now. Essentially I was, I, would have, I was a web developer for a, a long time. I had a computer science background, done a little bit of engineering with some um, electronics and stuff. Yeah, and basically yeah, got into blockchain about four years ago, and um, yeah, that's been my life pretty much since. So, And now I'm working on Pool full-time. I've been doing that for the last... I started working in Pool almost a year ago now, believe it or not. And now it's gotten to the point where I think about uh, three, four months ago, I've Actually, you know, yeah, I need to devote more time to this. Uh so threw in the towel, the old nine to five job. Didn't have any income for a couple of months, just living on off my savings. And then, um, yeah, we had a rockpool pre-sale that went really well. And now I can work on it uh, full time.
0: So you you said you know you had the the first round of the token sale I guess uh, a few months ago. Yeah. Give us the details on on that. We talked about it a little bit earlier. the yeah. Proportional refund. So I guess what is what is the minimum and and what is the the cap after which everything yeah. gets you know proportionally refunded.
1: So we have uh, for depositing it's zero point one ether minimum. So you know it, it's, it's pretty low. Most people could get in with that. I think. There's hard oh there's a cap of one thousand ether max per deposit. That's Basically, yeah, it's it's not a mechanism that'll stop you know a lot of whales getting in and you know putting a huge amount in straight away, but it will slow them down. The hard cap is five thousand nine hundred ether. So if it goes over that, um essentially everyone gets a refund, basically on by how much it goes over. So if it goes over by say you know a hundred ether, and you've donated uh five percent of all the ether that's been donated, you'll get five percent of tokens and five percent of that hundred ether as a refund. So it, it's essentially you know it means anyone can get in at any time um you know you don't it's not a rush it's not a first come first serve like a lot of traditional token models are so you'll have those ones where you know if you get in uh as quick as you can with the highest amount of gas on your transaction you know you can buy up a lot of tokens this ensures that everyone who gets in can get in at any time and they will get some tokens so that was, more, it was one of my key goals for this was trying to make sure uh token distribution was very good you know obviously if it doesn't reach that total everyone can get a refund and then you know we might try again next year when you know casper's close to the launch um we're actually still fairly under the radar i've written a number of articles on you know um rockables progress you know other solidity techniques that i've kind of found helpful along the way um i still think we're relatively unknown though so yeah hopefully it'll be a success but if not we'll just try again when obviously casper's much more in the headlines um it's a surprising amount of people still don't actually know about Castle, which is what I found. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you'd be—you, um, I was actually genuinely surprised. Some um, some developers I've chatted to weren't really even aware of it, to some degree, and a lot of people actually aren't aware how close. It could be to being on testnet, so right. um, yeah, it's it, it's crazy. But you know, unless you're in those circles and you're listening for it specifically, I can see how it would get past a lot of people. But Caspers have been on Ethereum's roadmap since day one, so it's a phenomenal change. It'll be absolutely massive when it when it actually goes live. So I think I think at the moment it's Casper uh, and Rockapool are generally. Um, Rockpool more so is under the radar, but Casper is still um, you know under the majority's radar.
0: And you had a token sale two months ago or three months ago? How, oh yes, yeah, how, how sorry, did that yeah. Go?
1: Um, September. Yeah, that went really well. Um, that was basically a pre-sale to um, basically supporters. So we've, I think, I, I first announced Rocket Pool back in um, late May. So you know, we've been around as far as projects go. We've been around for a decent amount of time in the Ethereum space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is basically um, supporters who you know followed us. Uh, basically, to, uh, to that point, so um, obviously, you know, they have a lot of belief in Pool and Casper, I mean, Casper's a phenomenal change to the way Ethereum's going to work. Yeah, and obviously, um, there was a minimum buy-in for that, so... Obviously, it didn't let everyone in, but the supporters who wanted to back us early on could. Um, that obviously allowed me to then begin working on Rocket Pool full time and to start bringing other people on board. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment.
0: Yeah, and you. So if you started working on this a year ago, you basically started yeah. right when you read the MoE paper, then.
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually knew about it before then too, and I was actually contemplating at the time. I was like, because I did use the mine with my own mining rig, and I, I, I knew, you know, people would eventually want to do the same with um, Proof of Stake. So it was actually something I've I've been I was trying to find a project to get myself to uh, learn Solidity. So yeah, it was a hell of a project to start with, but it it didn't take long till I kind of yeah fell in love with Solidity and, and smart contracts, and um, from there it's just uh, yeah it's just blossomed into this project, which now is taking on a life of its own and. As, as far as I know we're still the only public pool that's been announced um, there may be some other ones in the work in the shadows but yeah I, I just, I'm still can't believe that there hasn't been anyone else that's come out with something like this yet so you know great great for us don't, don't get me wrong but you know it's only a matter of time for they do so hopefully Rocket Pool will be in a really good position at that time
0: well fantastic this has been super super interesting um, super exciting project I guess it's rocketpool.net Any, it is, anywhere yep. else they should they've got um, your white paper on there anywhere else they should yeah, value.
1: it's got, you can probably drop in our Slack as well, um, we've got a pretty um, pretty good Slack community happening now, so if you drop in now, I'm pretty much in there, you know, every all my waking hours, so if you don't want to have a chat or you want any questions, uh, my name's Darcius in there, so just pop in and um, yeah, send me a message. Fantastic. Thanks for being <laughs> right, on the then. show. Oh, thank you for having me, mate. It's good to finally have a chat.